Hey, Hit Factory listeners, it's Aaron. It's Carly. And we wanted to take a brief moment to talk about a very special series that we're going to be doing for the entirety of this month, Scott Timber. It's going to be a special series dedicated to the 90s output of the late, great Tony Scott. We have a bunch of great guests coming your way, some old friends of the show, some brand new ones. We're going to be talking about Days of Thunder. Enemy of the State. Freaking The Fan. The Last Boy Scout. And my favorite. My favorite as well. Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. Hit Factory patrons will have access to all five Scott Timber episodes, as well as bonus content and conversations coming your way this month. So for just $5 a month, consider becoming a patron of the show. Consider it. Might change your life. (laughs) It might just change your life. It might just change your life. So join us for the entire month as we talk about NASCAR, ice cream, Lipizzaner Stallions, leather pants, the number 11, the surveillance state, and a whole lot more. This is like the most Shane Black movie I think that I've ever seen. Yeah, yes, it yeah, absolutely insane. is. It's that's true. It um, you know, hmm, I don't know if I'm ready to to really drop the the atomic takes yet. But yeah, uh, no, is, this this is where I wanted to go. I wanted to ask what what you all thought of Shane Black as a screenwriter and also as I guess a filmmaker now too in his later era. I uh, watching the movie, I became kind of. I mean, I'll say I did love. I really do love uh, the Nice Guys. I like that movie a lot. Oh, it's but, so uh, good. But um, and I think I think the work he's doing. Well, I would say the work he's doing now is better, except he made that awful fucking Predator movie, dude. So bad. <laughs> See, that was like, that movie but, had some promise though. There was some like all right. Oh, it was points so, in it. It was just tonally uh, really uh, it, bizarre. It makes makes me wonder if he should really be venturing outside of the buddy cop genre because the Nice Guys was kind of like the distillation of like everything he does uh best but in any case i i was having some misgivings about the like shane black uh dialogue style for some of this movie and it started to dawn on me that i feel like shane black this doesn't get talked about but i think shane black is kind of the forefather of the now much hated uh joss whedon uh, Avengers, uh, uh, you know, write dialogue writing style. The soy banter. Yeah, like it's, the it's ur, not the it's ur not, soy writer. Yeah, but it's not exactly soy because obviously his version of it is a lot more hard edged. You know. Yeah. The so the so it became it it became something. But then it is also like, like the one line the like sometimes the jokes are like uh those like tough guys are bothering Damon Wayans and he goes like I'm trying to decide which one of you. Uh, reminds me most of my dick. I don't even get what that joke means. Like that's so. Like why do they look like your dick? I don't. It's just. It's just like a. I don't know. It's. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a very macho kind of like snarky quip. Yeah. Banter. And then it's like. And then it, it just. Kind of, sometimes you hear a line like that, and I'm like, what? The with the guy, they look like your dick. What do you? What do you it, like I like that it kind of like doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's just like tough guys talking like being kind of stupid yeah it's very yeah. late 80s early 90s yeah. in the like we got to make this is. we got to make this guy tough but kind of funny <laughs> I, I think it's so this movie got pretty poor reviews and kind of developed more of a cult following later which seems yeah, to be yeah. the case with maybe almost every tony scott movie 
Has he? Yeah, has I mean, he had I, I, any movie that was? I guess Man on Fire was probably uh, successful at the time. Right? I, you know, Man on Fire did well commercially, and and this film didn't do that bad. I think it underperformed given the star quality of it. You know, having like a, a early '90s Bruce Willis. Like, I think it only like, I think it was like a fifty million dollar yeah, budget. And it wasn't like, like one hundred fifty like or something like smash that. Is what it yeah. seems like. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. It it didn't go off like gangbusters. But yeah, I mean, Tony had. Top Gun, which I feel like was critically well received and mm, like, right, you know, right, was a slam yeah. bang at the box office. But Days of Thunder also got got pretty, pretty bashed around. True Romance, I think, is one of the few ones that has like a really stellar, like critical consensus oh, around sense. it. I, I always check this stuff on Wikipedia and they very helpfully offer uh, uh, quotes from the two most important critics, Roger Ebert and Leonard Maltin. There we go. <laughs> and I liked, I think you pointed this out on Twitter that Roger Ebert like hates everything about the movie, but he like, it's like, it's good at doing all that stuff. I hate. Yes. It, this it, He also like uh, his dirty Harry review when that movie came out, it was like the same kind of thing. Like he gave dirty Harry three stars and was yeah. like Don Siegel, great filmmaker, uh, Clint Eastwood, great performer does this character very well. This film is fucking fascist and I hate everything it's yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Three stars. Uh, but he does the same thing with this movie too. Yeah, he says it was a superb example of what it is. A glossy, skillful, cynical, smart, utterly corrupt, and vilely misogynistic action thriller. And three stars. <laughs> That's and so then, cool. And then, Le- and then Leonard Maltin uh, didn't like it so much. He said, more of the same from the Lethal Weapon School of Hardcore Action Filmmaking. Violent, even by this genre's... Uh, the same school, same Lethal Weapon School of Hardcore Action Filmmaking, which I think is a funny way of like, I mean, I, it, I guess it it is very, but I don't know, calling it hardcore action is kind of funny to me, but I guess I, I get that. But uh... yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely over the top, but it's like, it's funny too, because I, I wonder how someone like Malton, and I, I haven't looked at, you know, Ebert's reviews of of Black's other movies, but at what point do you think that like the cultural sort of attitude towards Shane Black went from being like, oh, this is just a repeat of Lethal Weapon to, oh, well, I guess this is just the, the one thing this guy does. And that that's fine. He does it well. Because, you know, I mean, by the time Kiss Kiss Bang Bang comes out, and then, of course, like the nice guys, like, people love those movies. And, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoy them, too. I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang has, like, a really stellar Val Kilmer performance and, like, is a good, like, kind of Robert Downey Jr. revival pre-Iron Man. He kind of disappeared for a little while and uh, and then kind of returned with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And I think by then there was a bit of a generational shift where, yeah. you know, some of the people who maybe uh, uh, grew up a little bit uh, uh, with the Shane Black style and weren't like a stuffy old Roger Ebert guy from the 60s or whatever, uh, uh, were, were had a more of a hand on like the, you know, the critical narrative uh, by, by then. And um I think that's kind of how the, you know, the consensus changes. 